0: Welcome to the Bible Answer Show, a live and lively forum that brings together pastoral and apologetic voices from across the Christian community to answer your scripture questions. Our show is hosted by Pastor Michael Lance of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, along with a panel of pastors and other invited guests. The phone lines are open now. So you've got questions, we've got answers on today's Bible Answer Show. Hello, and thank you for turning into the Bible Answer... Did I say turning into the Bible Answer Show? <laughs> turning, turning into the Bible Answer Show. We turned so into like. the Bible
1: Answer Show today.
0: We did. We turned into the parking lot yep. and uh, walked into the Bible Answer Show. Well, you Thank you for tuning in to the Bible Answer Show. Uh, we're going to be taking your Bible questions live here, 1-800-227-5278. Starting out another week here, one 800 227 5278. If you can swim to your phone in Southern California, <laughs> give us a call. 1 800 227 5278. My name is Mike Massaro. I'll be picking up those calls and lobbing them over the wall to our panel here in the room, starting out with Pastor Coach Chris Van Hook, uh, Joe Kelly wearing this uh, jacket, kind of looking like Indiana Jones today, and Senior Pastor, of Living Truth Christian Fellowship here in Corona, California, Pastor Michael Lance. Gentlemen.
2: Like How you, you doing? Switch, you switch seats. Is that so you can reach over and backhand me if <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'll have to poke you and tell you to you know cut it short, Joe. Yeah,
1: yeah. or not to mention any football teams. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Joe. Spoiler
0: alert for anyone who missed the games over the weekend. Uh, anyway, uh, so if you've got a question, now's your uh, now's the chance to, to give us a call. Um, 1-800-227-5278. Uh, we had a question from Facebook Live on Friday that we didn't get a chance to address. Brandon from Irvine uh, had some questions basically asking you guys your thoughts on Revelation 12. Anyone want to chime in on that?
1: Go ahead, Coach. Start us off. Sure.
3: Well, Revelation 12 is really one of the more interesting chapters in Revelation, and there's a lot of interesting chapters in Revelation. And basically, without being able to go through the whole thing, it would be great length um, to explain all of the um, symbolism and things that are in Revelation 12. But to understand this, it's a great chapter because it gives us a glimpse into what we might call an invisible war. And, you know, if, if we were able to see all the things that were going around us today spiritually, we would see a lot of similar things. We don't see all the spiritual warfare that goes on But we get a glimpse here in Revelation 12 of what type of things do happen. And this is in the particular time period here. Um, It talks about, you know, a a great and wondrous sign appeared in the heaven. And so we have to remember, these are signs. Uh, Like the way Skip Heitzig put it here, these are signs uh, of things. And he said, you know, we have to think of it as like when we see a road sign. He said, if you're driving home to California from Albuquerque and you see a road sign, that says, uh, you know, California, 50 miles, you don't go jump on that road sign and hug it because you're not in California yet. It's just a sign that this is where you're getting. So we've got to kind of think of it that way. And he talks about, uh, and here are a lot of the questions that come up, a woman clothed with the sun, moon, uh, under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. Who is that? Well, there's been some debate over the years in the church, but it's really quite obvious if you just look at the symbolism that's used here and compare it to the Old Testament. Um, this particular woman is Israel. Um, if we go back, Pastor Michael uh, has been teaching us in Genesis um, for the past few months here, and we go back to Joseph's dream, and the same imagery is used there. I'd say she's pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns. Now, we could just look at that imagery right away, and probably your first thought is going to be, well, that sounds like satan the, the red dragon because if we read earlier in revelation uh and and we see the the red there in the horse and the rider but what's great about chapter 12 and it just tells you right here that the great who the great dragon is it's satan it tells you right in the chapter and um yeah well
1: i was just going to add coach and i think you did a great job explaining that that revelation 12 13 and 14 form a trilogy of thought they're kind of like an interlude and the interlude um, pauses in the book of Revelation or reflects back with this opening sign. I think it's the first of seven signs that follow. And what it really is about is the conflict of the ages. So if you want to take like a helicopter view of Revelation 12, 13, and 14, what you really see is an explanation of why we are where we are. And you could say both spiritually, religiously, if you want to put it that way, politically. Uh, For example, if you look at the uh, persecution that's happened to the woman over the centuries of time from Egypt to Assyria to Babylon to the Medo-Persian Empire to Rome, uh, even in our most recent past, Nazi Germany, and now today, Israel being surrounded by many enemies, um, I think what you have is Revelation 12 explaining this conflict. And it's really between the serpent and the seed of the woman, Mm -hmm. going all the way back to the the pre-evangel in, uh, Genesis three fifteen, and explaining this conflict of the ages and this woman who gives birth to this male child who will rule the nations. And yeah. so I think, um, revelation 12 is a great chapter to understand because I think it explains so much of why, uh, things are happening in the world, Jewish persecution that, that occurs in the world or against Israel. But it also exp- explains, um, you know, what's behind the scenes of the problems. It, it gives you the reason that these things happen. And I think it's an yeah, awesome chapter. it
3: does. And isn't, it isn't a great example also of, you know, when we read prophecy where we have to look, there's the, there's the near far idea of prophecy where we look at prophecy that's been fulfilled. And it, and it also refers to something that's going to happen, you know, later down the road too here. And if you go down to verse 13 here, when the dragon saw he'd been hurled to earth... It talks about how that took place. Uh, He pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. And that, as you just said, explains so much of the persecution of Israel. It's all satanically motivated because he has continued to pursue Israel.
1: Yes, Coach, And, and we can see some time references here to three and a half years, a couple of different times mentioned. And, you know, we take Daniel's 70th week as the last seven years. And we can see some interesting time references here that unfold in this trilogy of chapters. And I think it's, it's a chapter that's very important to understand. And I think it will help you understand the big picture of the Bible as well. By the way, this is the Bible Answer Show, and we are on from 12 to 1230, taking your questions about the Bible, the Christian faith, world religions, cults and the occult, a question that you have about how to apply a scripture or even understand something that you've looked at recently. And the number to call is 800-227-5278.
0: All right, 1-800-227-5278. Guys, I got a question. Is... Whitney Houston's "The Greatest Love of All" really the biggest lie to come out of the pit of hell in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> she had a wonderful
2: voice. She yes, did. So. God
0: rest her soul. But she, uh, but was she channeling Satan when she said, "Learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all"? Wow. I was wondering where he was going with that. Yeah, I, I was I too. Know, I don't know, know the, the song. You I, I like. you know, I, I know the song, and if I tried
1: to sing it, it I would brutalize it. But Mike. Um, I'm kind of wondering why you brought that up. <laughs> well, I heard the
0: song the other day, and I'm like, oh. this is blasphemous.
1: Well, yeah. well, it's, it's a world philosophy, mm-hmm. and, and here's what it is. The, the, the world's philosophy is if you love yourself enough, then um, you'll be able to love others the way mm-hmm. you should. Now, look, some people are really hard on, the, on themselves, and they have a poor self-image, and we're not going to deny that. But you know, there's an old saying, if you ever want to know the one you love the most, If you're ever in a group photo and uh, it's handed to you, the person that you look for in that photo first is the one that you love the most. And look, our problem, Mike, and I think this is where you kind of threw us this pitch. Our problem is not that we don't love ourselves. It's that we love ourselves too much. Even when we're beating ourselves up, it's because we're concerned about how we look or how we present ourselves. And so the Bible says we're to love God and others, and when we do that, then the um, the other things fall into place. So let's just be clear. And I don't think this should shock anybody who has any knowledge of the Bible. The Bible says the two greatest commands are to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. We don't have to be told to love ourselves. We already mm-hmm. do.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all presupposed. I love the analogy. And the neat thing with uh, digital photography is we get to take those pictures over <laughs> immediately. <laughs> <laughs> we can delete them. Yes, Boy, I... I, uh, my wife deletes about 10 times more than I do. So w- what does that say?
3: And I think the selfie is the prime example of how much we do concern ourselves with ourselves. And I'm not putting you down if you take some selfies, okay? Don't, don't get me wrong here. It's kind of fun, and people kind of like to look at you know what you're doing and, and, and all that. But I, I do think that we have become obsessed really in this culture with ourself. And I, I don't know when that song was actually written, but of course, being in education for as long as I was, I watched this development of the whole self-esteem you know, program. And the idea was, is, um, you know, well, kids just don't care enough about themselves. They don't like themselves enough. And we need to build their self-esteem. And if we do that, they'll perform much better. Well, as most things that come down the pike in education, that, that didn't work. And students got the idea that when, you know, their teacher told them, even though they may have got a one out of 100 on their test, the teacher would say something like, well, you know, you did so well. You tried so hard. And, on that and, one question. <laughs> on that one question. And, <laughs> and you know, and I, I honestly, later on, after this movement had kind of hit its peak, you know, students would say things like, I hate it when my teacher tells me I did good when I know I didn't. Mm. I didn't even try. They, they see through the phoniness. So, you know, obviously that whole um, yeah. idea didn't
1: really work. N- did. You know, I don't think anybody enjoys false praise. Right. You know, if someone's trying to butter you up and you know that you just fell flat on your face, it doesn't help. 800 227 5278. I want to give a shout out to our Facebook friends who uh, went on to Facebook over the last few days. And we had, I think, a close to 600 We're close views to 600, yeah. of mm-hmm. the Facebook Friday on the Bible Answer Show and you can call us right now if you would like to get on the air and get your question and we do have open lines 800 227 fifty two seventy eight. Mike, give a couple other ways that people can send questions.
0: Well there's always the email address, answers at living answers at living and of course, uh, as you mentioned, Facebook,
2: Facebook.com forward slash Bible answer show. Joe,
1: did I cut you off there? You you had something? No, there?
2: I was just gonna add, you know, the the whole idea of that we need to learn to love ourselves when when scripture basically presupposes that we already do and it's that's that's idolatry really and and you guys uh explained that well already all right well guys when there's ever a photo um i'm always looking for my wife
0: first so
1: (laughs) 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 you know i was
3: gonna say the very (laughs) same thing and for you radio listeners out there uh Mike's Uh, wife looks very much like my wife because uh, that's her daughter. And uh, and, and he he actually, folks, he wasn't kidding. We're both like that. When we see a group photo, that is the first person that we look for is our beautiful brides because they're very photogenic.
1: I'd call right now and challenge that if you're a a listener right now. (laughs)
0: Uh, Maybe that's what Richard's going to do. Richard from Fullerton, you're on with the Bible Answer Show. Hi, good afternoon. Hey, I have a childlike
1: question for you guys I was hoping you could help me answer. Um, when we pray to God, um, we can do it silently, and he hears us, and he can read our minds. I'm comfortable with that. But I'm really curious about, can Satan, can the devil read our mind? Can mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm getting at? Because uh, I, yeah. um, I never could really get... My mind around that, and I hope he can't. But I don't want to put words in your mouth. (laughs) Sure, Richard. Well, you know, um, there would have to be some attributes that he would possess that would allow him to do such a thing. And uh, you know, when you're talking about the Lord and the Lord knowing somebody's thoughts, which interestingly enough, many times in Jesus's ministry, where he has insight into what people are thinking, and even some of the uh, accounts say he knew their thoughts. So. Uh, to know someone's thoughts is the prerogative of God. Uh, No one knows a man's thoughts except the man, but God knows uh, a person's thoughts as well. It's a prerogative of deity. So let's just talk about who the devil is. He's a fallen angel from what we understand in scripture. Um, He's not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. Um, So he would not have the attributes to know one's thoughts. So, you know, just looking at who he is, um, that's God's prerogative. And it doesn't belong to Satan.
3: Yeah, we get asked that question quite a bit by people that are struggling with, you know, different issues, and they believe that Satan actually can know their thoughts. We have no indication in Scripture whatsoever that Satan can know your thoughts other than this, and this is what's important to know. You're dealing with a very powerful being who's been around for a long, long time, so he understands people and how they think and how they react. And I think, you know, you you probably know some other people in your life that you wonder sometimes, how does this guy always kind of know what I'm thinking? Well, probably because they've been around you enough to know your patterns of thought and the way you respond and react to things. Would you agree with that, Joe?
2: I agree 100%. You know, um, not only can he not read our or understand our thoughts, uh, as a believer, he also cannot possess us. And I think that's a concern some people have, too in the sense that by possession, he would have the ability to force our action. Mm-hmm. He cannot force our action at all, but he is a... And it's not just he, it's Satan and the one-third of angelic yeah, beings he's that were not, cast he's not out. omnipresent. So there's plenty of them. I don't know how many that is, but there are plenty of them. And he knows human nature so well. And what he also knows is things that we have done. So he knows our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. He knows our struggles. And my struggles aren't what somebody else's struggles are. Mm-hmm. So he-
1: you brought up something important, a word. You said patterns. And there's two times that I can think of in Ephesians 6 and 2 Corinthians 2, I think it's verse 11, where we're not to be ignorant of his schemes or we're to take our stand against the schemes of the devil. That has the idea of a pattern of approach that he has or a method. The actual Greek word is methodia. He has methods, and we, we're not to be ignorant of his methods. Now, someone, I, I want to throw a curveball at us for a second. Someone might say, you know, sometimes you're sitting there and you're like, where did that thought come from, right? And you're like, you're, you're in some setting where a thought comes out of left field, and you're like, maybe that was Satan planting a thought. Look, I think he could whisper a temptation or set up a scenario where a temptation could come our way. But if a thought comes into our mind, I would argue that that's just really the flesh, and sometimes we have a flashback of something we sowed to in the past, or you know, just something comes up. And look, our our flesh is a tricky thing. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't sit there and think, "Oh, the devil's got into my mind." I think it's more just, you know, a lot of it is the flesh.
3: Yeah, Pastor Michael, if we were going to compare Satan to anyone in the Bible, wouldn't it be best to look at him as um, a comparison to Michael, uh, the archangel, because Again, we know that Satan does, as as Joe said, he's over a lot of uh, demons, and and in fact, when people say all the time, "Well, Satan did this to me," I like to say to him, "You know, I think he probably saves himself for like the Franklin Grahams and the the Greg Lories and people like that. He's sending his underlings for most of us um, here, but but he he does have great power. In fact, um, there's a, a case in the Bible where it says that he kind of Um, resisted something that was supposed to happen for, what was it, 40, 45 days? Um, Yeah,
1: in the book of Daniel. In the
3: book of Daniel. And so so we know he does have great power, power, I think, considerably similar to uh, Michael the archangel, because that is what Satan was. He was a created being, angelic being. Uh, So whenever we try to say, you know, or think of him as the opposite of God, we do ourselves a a disservice. That's a
2: great point, because we don't want to make the mistake of thinking that Satan is rogue and has this rogue ability to thwart anything God has set out to accomplish. Yeah, He and does not have any powers that are are contrary to uh, God uh, fulfilling His uh, his plan. I think we
1: put it, Joe, in the past that he is on a leash, as we can see in the book of Job, and God does allow sometimes... You know, Satan to, uh, to go, you know, into places and, and do things towards his ultimate ends. But we also, on the flip side, and I just want to pause here. This is the Bible Answer Show. If you want to call right now, we have a few open lines. Call just like Richard did and get your question in 800-227-5278. We're not to take him lightly. I said that really quick, 800-227-5278. <laughs> we are not to take him lightly. And so while it's true that we're, we're to not overdo this on spiritual warfare, and I see people on both ends, right? There's some people who never even consider spiritual warfare or the enemy, and there's some people that seem to live in this world where it's unhealthy. We have to have a, a biblical balance, but we're not to take him lightly either because uh, he is on the prowl, 1 Peter
2: 5.8. And w- I would add one last thing. He does have the ability to engage in the material realm. In other words, he can manipulate uh, physical things. And he also, because of that, has great influence over those who aren't believers and have allowed themselves. It still is a, the, the person's free will, has allowed themselves to be used mm. on his behalf. Good, good point.
1: And in cases when that does occur, for example, like a demonic possession case, uh, I think it's insightful to understand that, that authors have said, and those who have experienced this and look at the Bible and cases like this, is that he is trying to destroy the Imago Dei uh, of a person, to destroy them uh, so that, that you know, the, their humanity and them bear, being an image bearer you know, uh, gets so um, devastated. Exactly. And so you know, let's just park for a second. Here you are, you're listening to Christian radio right now. And you may not be a believer, and maybe you've experienced some of this darkness. You know, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not remain in darkness. He will have the light of life. And right now, my friend, you have an opportunity to turn to the one who is the light of the world, and you can escape this darkness, and you can be free. And if you've been dabbling with the occult, or you've been messing around with door handles that you know you had no business and you've opened up some dark things in your life, look, as soon as his light comes in darkness, it must flee. So you don't have to live in fear, but you have to come to the one who is the light of the world. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Turn to Christ and be saved. Don't dabble anymore in that world. Don't live on the fringes anymore. Don't sit there and say, well, you know what? I believe that there's a God, but I'm not quite ready yet. Give your life to Christ right now. Trust in Him and Him alone for your salvation. And if you cry uh, and call out to the name of the Lord, He will be faithful to save you. Amen. Hey, uh, we got
0: Patricia in Fontana. You're on with the Bible Answer Show.
2: Yes, hi. Um, I was calling because my daughter goes to a Christian school, and her Bible teacher says that he does not believe in the rapture. And I was just wondering, I've never heard of this before, so I was wondering if um, his belief is going going to affect the way he teaches the Bible. And if that's a certain religion or if this is common, because I've never heard of anyone who didn't believe in the rapture.
1: Okay, Patricia. Yeah, you know what? Um, uh, The fact that he's teaching at a Christian school uh, would, to me, seem to reveal that he has, uh, you know, a biblical worldview. It would be hard to imagine that he'd be teaching there if he didn't. Uh, When one doesn't believe in the rapture, that's not an unbiblical position, um, it's foreign to us because most of the people that we interact with or hear on the radio do believe in the rapture. And we you know, we here at the table, uh, I'll, I could ask Joe the question, but uh, we here at the table obviously believe in a rapture. And uh, we, we have a debate uh, within this group even on the timing of the rapture. But um, there are brethren within what we would call the orthodox faith that don't hold to a rapture could you take take it from there
2: i I wouldn't be all that concerned especially if you're uh pleased with the school and you're familiar with their statement of faith and you know the principal or uh, you know you you know you know what the school is all about i'm not sure why that topic was brought up Mm -hmm. and you know his intentions in revealing that if it was just to make waves then i i would have a problem with what the intention was so without a uh, without somebody laying out their theology and explaining why, and, you know, just from my own studies, I would say that he is equating what the passage out of 1 Thessalonians 4 with the timing of uh, Christ's second advent, with his uh, second coming.
1: And Joe, you hit on something important. If that teacher were to deny the second coming then we'd have real oh, issues, well, then we'd obviously. Have big issues. Yeah. But um, typically, I think a person would fall into a camp here where they believe in a second coming where everything is wrapped up. I will say this, though, Patricia, I think it will impact the way he teaches the Bible. Go ahead, Coach.
3: Yeah, I, I, I wanted to say that as well. It will impact your view. There are, there are a couple of positions, um, Patricia, you could go look up and get information on amillennialism or postmillennialism uh, and check those out. And they may believe that, you know, that we're already um, in. So there are people that believe that we are in the millennial period right now. I always have a hard time with that, with what's going on in our world. But how it affects them is this, is that rather than just be concerned about preaching the gospel uh, and helping people to get to come to salvation, they believe that they're building the kingdom of heaven on earth right now. And so that's a big difference where Those of us who believe that there will be a rapture, whether you believe the rapture is a separate event um, from the second coming or two parts to one event, or whether you believe it's all part of one, we would all agree that we're preaching the gospel right now in preparation for that time to come and trying to reach as many people um, in, in terms of salvation as we can. If you don't have that position, you believe that, you know, that's not going to take place, then your purpose is... Let's do, let's do good works on this earth. Let's see if we can solve issues like world hunger and, and these kinds of things. Uh, that becomes a higher priority than leading people to Christ. And so I think it would affect you in that way.
1: And Patricia, I think a, a simple resolution here, just, you know, this is something that I would do is just email that teacher. And I don't think he'll hesitate to tell you what his view is and just say, hey, you know, I'm curious. My, my child came home, expressed that this is your view help me understand it. And can you give me a paragraph or two on what you hold? And uh, I think, you know, if he, and I think he'll be happy to respond to you and I'm sure he'll be happy. Yeah, to And then call back. Being, <laughs> yeah. And we'll see what he believes. But, you know, I don't think it's like an emergency from what I've heard you describe, but I, I would f- try to find out exactly what he holds mm-hmm. to just to make sure it's not some fringe view, but him being a teacher in a Christian school, it's probably unlikely that it is.
0: Okay, Mike. Well, it looks like we're uh, wrapping up the show, guys. We are down to the last 30 seconds. Anybody oh, gonna 30 seconds yeah,
3: just, to just real quickly on the subject that we talked about earlier, and, of course, beginning in Revelation 12, there's a great book written by Donald Gray Barnhouse, a great Presbyterian preacher of old. It's called The Invisible War, and it's a fantastic book. I really recommend uh, anybody that's interested in that topic to get that book.
1: There's also a book called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor (laughs) of God (laughs) give you a little bit more insight. If you want to search Amazon under my name, Pastor Michael Lance, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, a little bit more about the spiritual battle and the flesh and temptation. Hey, uh, we would like you to do some things for us uh, because we're going to be telling you about some shifts and changes going on with the Bible Answer Show. One of the best things that you can do is like us on Facebook. And what else, Mike? Uh, I, that, that's pretty much it Go to the
0: Facebook page and then click like Keep an eye out for when we do our live shows on Facebook so.
1: Which will be Fridays from 12 to 1 in the next several weeks Yeah,
0: alright So, hey, the Bible Answer Show is produced by Shane Lance and Cameron Thomas Special thanks to Joel for screening our calls back in the studio Thanks to all our callers today Thanks to you guys for coming in and answering questions And we'll catch you tomorrow on the Bible Answer Show